Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another, and impacting the world. It's really great to to be back here. The last time I was supposed to preach, I ended up in hospital. Um, but uh, I am very thankful for the opportunity to share God's word. It's always a bit tougher to to choose what to preach, uh, you know, because I'm not. Pastor Charles is doing the series, and so this is kind of a break. And now, what what do I preach about? And just last uh, the previous week on the Thursday morning, Kenneth asked me to help with the prayer meeting, and we've been reading through the Psalms. And this psalm really spoke to me, and I hope that it will speak to you. So turn to your Bibles to Psalm chapter 38. Psalm 38. This is what the word of the Lord says. Psalm of David for the memorial offering. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have sunk into me, and your hand has come down on me. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities have gone over my head. Like a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. I am utterly bowed down and prostrate. All the day I go about mourning. For my sides are filled with burning, and there is no soundness in my flesh. I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. O Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails me. In the light of my eyes, it has also gone from me. My friends and companions stand aloof from my plague. And my nearest kin stand far off. Those who seek my life lay their snares. Those who seek my hurt speak of ruin and and meditate treachery all day long. But I, but I am like a deaf man. I do not hear. Like a mute man who does not open his mouth, I have become like a man who does not hear, and in whose mouth are no rebukes. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord my God, who will answer. For I said, only let them not rejoice over me, who boast against me when my foot slips. For I am ready to fall, and my pain is ever before me. I confess my iniquity, I am sorry for my sin. But my foes are vigorous, they are mighty, and many are those who hate me wrongfully. 
Those who render me evil for good accuse me because I follow after good. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Dear Lord, please speak to us. Let your word penetrate our hearts. Hide me behind the cross that Christ will be exalted and lifted high. In the precious name of Jesus, amen. How do we respond when we are overwhelmed? Now, this past Thursday, we went to see a Levi's concert. It was the first time that we, uh, that he had a concert and that we got a chance to see him. And it was a huge thing, the whole school. <clears throat> uh, now the first two songs, he did well. He was with his class and he did, yes, Jesus loves me. And he was singing and moving. And we were there in front like parents, you know, the, but then, in the finale, when all the kids from all the little classes, they were going to sing the a song together. And then I was sitting there on the floor in the front to uh, try to capture everything. And I made a mistake of calling him. And he saw me. And then he got overwhelmed with everything that's happening. It is It was like a lot of parents and it's just... Uh, uh, it was at 3CI and it was full and then he saw all of this and this was just before the tears started going and he was just overwhelmed and just started crying eventually one of the teachers brought him to me and he was just overwhelmed the, the, his teacher said afterwards is like he was just feeling too overwhelmed and and so the question is how should we respond when we are overwhelmed? Should we just respond like that? Just let the tears roll. Um, but this psalm gives us a little bit of a hint in terms of how to respond when things are just going tough. What should we do? Now this psalm, it starts there with saying it is for the memorial offering. In, in the Hebrew, uh, it's, it has a sense of bringing to remembrance. The meaning is that of reminding of something that has occurred in, in the psalmist's own experience and which might be useful to himself or others. Now this psalm um, is attributed to David um, and we are not entirely sure what exact circumstances um, are happening here because in the historical books there is not an account of David facing an illness as uh, as described in the psalm. However, it, that doesn't mean it didn't happen. It, the, the historical books does, don't tell us every single detail of David's life. But the first thing I want to point out to us today and that this psalm, if you read from verse 1, all the way to verse 10, is that we are not always okay. We are not always okay. 
this psalm shows an agony of a believer, someone that knows God and trusts God, and yet is in complete agony, is completely not okay. Look at verse 10. It says, My heart throbs, my strength fails me, and the light of my eyes, it has also gone from me. Now, we, we come here on, on Sundays, and, and we say, how are you doing? I'm okay. I'm, I'm doing alright. And, and praise the Lord for, for that, but sometimes that's not really the case, is it? We, we have no idea what our fellow brothers and sisters are going through. Now, I, I've been in, in the ministry for a few years, and every time I've visited someone, there is always something that is going wrong. I actually only remember of one visit that I made that a person said, I'm just thankful, everything is great. Only one. All the other 99% of the other time, there is something that is not okay, that, that we are not okay, whether it is illness or emotional trouble, uh, lack of work or too tired or children disobeying, things tough at work. And we come here and we sometimes have a tiny fraction of what other believers are going through and how not okay we are. This, this psalm reveals that we go through suffering. And in, in fact, the Bible speaks that we as Christians, we are going to go through suffering. And that's why the prosperity gospel is such a twisted, cruel lie. That says if you have faith, you'll be healthy and wealthy and prosperous and gives a false illusion to suffering people that the problem is because you don't have enough faith. You're not, you're not sowing a money seed big enough. We are not always okay. And, and we need to remember that. And we need to be aware of that even as we meet with other fellow believers. Because as much as we try to hide, there are mountains that people are climbing that we do not know. The second thing that I want to point out in, in, in this psalm is that the suffering that the psalmist, David, is, is experiencing it affects both Mind and body. Body and mind are affected. Look at verse 3. There is no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There is no health in my bones. Verse 5. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. Now, you can see he's going through some kind of illness. And it is a terrible illness. He, his bones are, are weak. He, his wounds stink and fester. 
So the body is affected. He's going through a tremendous trial, physically speaking. But not only that, he's also emotionally drained. Verse 4, For my iniquities have gone over my head like a heavy burden. They are too heavy for me. Verse 6, I am utterly bowed down and prostrate, and all the day I go about mourning. Verse 8, I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. Thank you. And so we see here, both mind and body are affected, and he is in deep emotional and physical distress. He's in deep agony. Physically and emotionally. And, 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 and maybe some of you have experienced this or are experiencing this when, where the suffering is, is so great and maybe you are worrying about work or finances and things and it actually even sometimes the stress causes headaches and lost weight or gain of weight or heart issues and there is a deep agony in his entire being that he is he's facing. He's suffering very deeply. Now, what is the cause of his suffering? What is the cause of his suffering? Now, I want to give a small, not comprehensive theology of Suffering in a sense. Why some, some of the reasons the Bible gives us why we suffer. So in Isaiah 48, 10, it says, Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory I will not give to another. So sometimes we suffer because we are being refined by God. That suffering comes as a, as a test and it is to the glory of God. Sometimes suffering prepares us for glory. Second Corinthians 4.17 to 18. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Suffering sometimes actually is for the growth of the body of Christ. And, and I'm not going to read all of the scriptures, but I'll give you the reference. Luke 21, 17 and 18. That as believers endure suffering, God is using that to grow His body. Romans 5, 3 to 5. Suffering forms character. I, I often use this, these verses. That... Suffering produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint because God has poured out His 
Spirit. And I could go on with many more reasons of why we suffer. And, and the thing is, sometimes we don't know exactly which one of those, which one of those are we suffering for. When, when my mom, um, uh, when we were in Peru, uh, my mom uh, were, got, got pregnant and we, she gave birth to, to my sister. And then after eight days, my sister died. And, and it was terrible. And, and the questions come, Lord, why? Why, why is this happening? For what reason do, are you taking us in, through this suffering at this moment? And some, some, sometimes we will never know the reason why. Sometimes God will reveal that, but sometimes we'll never know. But guess what? Two weeks ago, I was, uh, I went to visit a lady that, uh, um, uh, had just lost her baby. And, and was asking just advice and, and counseling. And I, I came home to Melissa and I said, I would have been completely clueless in terms of how giving help to this lady had my sister not passed away. Just in terms of um, what to do with the body and, and all of these things, I would have been completely now, I don't know if that was the only reason why we went through that suffering. But we don't always know what, what the reason is for our suffering. But now, coming back to this psalm, why was he suffering? Why was he suffering? In verse 3 and verse 5 tells us, There's no soundness in my flesh because of your indignation. There's no health in my bones because of my sin. Sin. So the reality is that sometimes we are suffering because of our own sin. We have brought this upon ourselves. Now I do want to be clear that we are not always suffering because of sin, as I mentioned before. It is not always a punishment from God or God dealing with us, but Sometimes it is. And in this case, in this psalm, it is. Look at verse 5. My wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. David is like, I know. This is my own sin. This is my own foolishness. My own stupidity. And the Lord is dealing with him because of his sin. Look, he attributes this This suffering actually to the hand of the Lord. Look at verse 2. For your arrows have sunk into me and your hand has come down on me. The Lord was bringing upon, uh, he was dealing with David because of his sin. It was the Lord's arrows that were causing David's affliction. In verse 1 he say. Rebuke me not in your anger, anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. And so sometimes we are going through difficult times and suffering because of our sins. 
and sin messes things up. How many stories have you heard of, for example, alcoholism ruining families? Or uh, an affair, infidelity. And it's a, a sin that happens and then it just destroys lives, it destroys relationships. Families have been wrecked and suffered much because of sin. And, and so when in, in our lives, do not think that your sin only affects you. There is consequences that affect around you. So that was the cause of his suffering. It was sin. But things are made worse because he was suffering alone. We sometimes suffer alone. His situation was made worse by two factors. First, all his friends have abandoned him. Look at verse 11. My friends and companions stand aloof from my plague, and my nearest kin stand far off. So his, his friends, his family are just, have abandoned him. He's going through this alone. But not only that, there are enemies that are after his life. And I'm fairly accusing him. Verse 12. Those who seek my life. Later snares. Those who seek my hurt. Speak of ruin. And meditate treachery all day long. And verse 20. Those who render me evil for good. Accuse me because I follow after good. So he is having this deep agony. He's suffering physically. He's suffering emotionally. All his friends have abandoned him. And his enemies are after him. How is that for I'm okay? (laughs) And it is terrible to go through suffering alone. Even more being persecuted or misunderstood. And, And sometimes... I know that sometimes we actually don't want to share our suffering with anyone because you feel they're not going to understand. They're going to misunderstand. Oh, I I don't want to look bad. I'm sure they have enough problems on their own. And you're just facing all of this turmoil by yourself and it's overwhelming and sometimes you do exactly what happened to Levi. You just like, just cry. You just, and cry. Now, I, I do want to maybe, just as a, a parenthesis here, brackets, very practically, we are a church family, and we cannot help to carry each other's burdens if the burden is not shared. And I, and I do want to say this because uh, not not here in one of my previous churches, I remember having a conversation where one of the members was really upset because they had gone through a, a big trial, uh, uh, a tough time. But 
but she had mentioned that she didn't get any support from from the church or the pastors. And but the, the problem was that none of us knew. No, we didn't know. And and so how how can we help if we do not know? And and so very practically, share your burdens. It makes a huge difference when people are praying for you. And and we know that our limitations, not every need is going going to be met. You know, sometimes there are financial needs and other kinds of needs. And the only thing we may be able to do is pray, but praying we will. But I think, um, and I don't want to put her on the spot, but Yvette has mentioned this, how difference it makes of people praying for her and caring for her. And so, if you are going through something, share. We as pastors, we want to know. We, 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 we know that sometimes we, we fail and it's a, a big congregation, but tell us, please, I want to see you, uh, invite us for water. Um, and share your burdens. I want to pray for you. We want to care for you. It, it we, we, we can't pray and care for what we do not know. So all of this is happening with, with David. How does he respond? Now before I tell exactly how he responds, I'll tell you, let me share with you how he doesn't respond. Look at verse 13 and 14. But I am like a deaf man, I do not hear, like a mute man, who does not open his mouth, I have become like a man who does not hear, and in whose mouth are not are no rebukes. What he does not do is open his mouth to respond and defend himself. He says, I'm like a mute man. He didn't, didn't start arguing. He didn't try to provide a defense for himself or his actions. And that is sometimes often the first thing we, we want to do is we want to provide a defense, we want to argue, we want to say this is why. But what does he say? He's like, I'm mute. I have. And whether that, that was because he knew the, the, his enemies weren't going to hear, uh, the point is that he, he didn't start by trying to speak first and defend himself first. Year, years ago, going through a tough time with, with someone, my, my dad has a theory. Well, yeah, yeah he, he says every pastor has a, a stone in his shoe. Is that one member that is a stone in his shoe that keeps him humble, <laughs> keeps the pastor on his knees because... The <laughs> and it says in every ministry there has always been that one stone that that kept him on his knees. And... And years ago, going through a tough time with 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 someone, uh, I remember my my parents' advice, and they said, 
The battle is won on your knees. We, we, we want to, and, and there will be times that where you need to speak and you need to, to talk, but our battle is won first going to our knees. And that's what he does. Look at verse 15. He turns to God. But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is you, O Lord, my God, who will answer. Up until then, it's just misery. And then David changes gears and says, and he responds, But for you, O Lord, do I wait. It is from him that he's going to turn to wait for his answer. He's going to turn to God first, to his God. Now, do you know the God that you are serving? Do you know the God that you love and worship and adore? Let me tell you, He's a good God and He's an all-powerful God and He has the right answers for your circumstances. It is His answer that you need to seek first. You must turn to Him first. We can easily turn to the internet, to our own wisdom, to our friends and families. And and those are not bad things, but turn to God first. He knows what is best for you. Pastor Charles often quotes John G. Patton. And here's another quote from him. Listen to what he says. Feeling immovably assured... That my God and Father was too wise and loving to err in anything that he does or permits. I looked up to the Lord for help and struggled on in his work. Because my God and Father was too wise and loving to err in anything that he does or permits. I looked up to the Lord for help and struggled on. In his work. This is someone that knows the God that they are serving. You and I have access through Jesus Christ to God. And we cry out to him. And he knows us. He knows. He created our very being. He He knows your weaknesses. He knows everything about you. He knows what is best for you. So turn to him. So that's what David does. He he turns to God. Secondly, he reasons with God. Look at this in verse 16. He goes on to say, For I said, only let them not rejoice over me who boast against me when my foot slips. So he goes on from verse 16 to verse 18 to provide, to reason with God And provide him reasons why God should answer his prayer. He goes and says, Lord, in in a sense he's saying, Lord, please answer my prayer. Because otherwise my enemies are going to mock me. One one commentator puts it like this. "The, The psalmist's downfall will give the enemies an occasion for boasting. Which will be in effect a boasting that God had failed him. So the psalmist reasons with God, answer me please, God, otherwise they will boast over me. So 
He goes and reasons with God, please answer me, otherwise they will boast over me. Second reason is in verse 17, I'm ready to fall. He's, he's at the end of his wits. He's completely at the brink of ruin. He's saying, Lord, I'm, I'm desperate. This is it. This is the end of the road. Please answer me. This is a, a great example that we can, we can come to God in reverence and, and, and reason with Him and, and, and plead with Him and say, Lord, just help me. This is what has been happening. You know, you know when Abraham reasons with God, he's like, Lord, don't, don't be upset with me. If there are 50 people in that city, will, will you destroy it? No. If, if there are 50 righteous people in the city, I won't destroy it. It's like, if there are 10, and he, you know, he goes reasoning with, with God in reverence, but make, Make, bring everything to the table. That, that's what I'm meaning to the Lord. Don't, don't try to, to, you know, just be, uh, kind of like in the, in the formalities with God as if God didn't know what was happening with you. God knows everything. So be completely honest and, and open and to, to Him. Thirdly, what does David do? He confesses his sin. Verse um, 18. I confess my iniquity. I am sorry for my sin. He knows he's in this mess because of his sin. And so he goes and confesses his sin. And brothers and sisters, we have to go to the root of the problem. Sometimes when we are going through trials and tribulations, and you, um, you, you sin and, and things are tough, and you just want to move on. You, you want to, you want to move on. But if you're not addressing the root, the root of the cause, you're gonna, it's just gonna be the same. We have to confess our sins. We have to repent. We cannot just move on. And, and let me just tell you, by own experience, sometimes the devil deceives us and lies in, in, into you believing that, wait, no, you have to wait a little bit. Because you just sinned. You have to wait a little bit. You can't come to God like this. That's a lie. You need to run to the cross immediately as you realize you have sinned. Run to the cross and confess your sins and repent and cry over your sin. First John 1, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Sometimes the root of suffering is sin, and so we have to confess our sin. We have to repent. We sometimes 
just want our circumstances to change with, without addressing that. I was counseling a young man uh, a few years ago who just was going through a lot of trouble and, and there were work issues and and relationship issues and money issues. And as I was talking and chatting and asking questions, I got to a point that I, I just said to him, listen, I would not be doing my job as a pastor if I if I didn't tell you that you can't be living with your partner and not get married and expect God's blessing upon your life. You can't be living in sin and expect, yeah, God is, God, God is just going to change everything. We have to address the sin issue. But lastly, he cries out to God. Verse 21 and 22. Do not forsake me, O Lord. O my God, be not far from me. Make haste to help me, O Lord, my salvation. Cry out to God. This, this psalm, the very existence of this psalm tells us that this is an appropriate way to come to the Lord. To cry out to Him, to express to Him. You know, there is nothing you're going to say to God that is going to shock Him or surprise Him. Hey? And you can come to Him and say, Lord, Everything around me is falling apart. I'm so tired of this. I'm tired of that person. And, and Lord, I'm feeling overwhelmed. Save me. Rescue me from this. Now, it is important to note that we don't know what happened. We don't know. We don't know the answer. We don't know how God answered. I cannot tell you something and I truly believe this. Part of the relief from the suffering comes from the crying out to the Lord. Part of His gracious hand helping us is us pouring out our hearts and all our emotions and all that we are feeling to Him confessing our sins and everything that just in that exercise there is some relief and I, and I'm I'm not I'm being very careful because I don't want to say that oh everything is going to is going to work out once you do this kind of prayer that we don't know that but who do you turn who would you rather turn to God, the, the creator and all-powerful of the universe where our help comes from? Who would you rather wait for? My soul will wait for you, O oh God. So cry out to Him. The end of verse 22. 
my salvation is actually kind of attributed to the name of the Lord. Lord, my, oh Lord, my salvation. He is our Savior. And if you are here today and you do not know Jesus and you're going through a tough time, turn to Jesus Christ. He is our Savior. In Matthew one twenty one, and we're going to see this in Christmas times, she will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, which in Hebrew is Yeshua for salvation because he will save his people from their sins. Luke 2.30, Simeon holding baby Jesus says, for my eyes have seen your salvation. God is our salvation. God is our rescuer. And if you are going through trials, and if you're going through suffering, in a sense, there is an opportunity for a lot of growth. Because suffering often creates a dependency on the Lord that is not always there when everything goes well. So, I want us to do something maybe slightly different and the band can come up. But I don't know where uh, where you are and what is going on in in your life. But I would like us to take a moment and maybe you're going through suffering and and but maybe that is attributed to sin and you need to confess your sins today. So I want us to spend some time just praying and if, if you're at home as well the 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 piano will be doing the intro of the next song. But even you at home, take some time. And if you need to confess your sins, and if you need to cry out to God this morning, let us do that. So won't you bow your heads and just personally, you do business with God. There's no manipulation here. Let's cry out to him this morning. Thank you for listening to the sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.